Hello and welcome to Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Charfus. In this episode, a tale of two fruits. Or is it just one fruit? Maybe once a month or maybe even less frequently than that, uh, we would get really excited because he would go to the grocery store, pick up a couple of plantains and then set them on the counter wait for them to ripen, and then usually on a Saturday morning would be when he would prepare this meal. It's basically frying the plantains first and then adding scrambled eggs, some um, vegetables, and maybe a little bit of meat and eating it as a a breakfast scramble. It's delicious. (laughs) My name is Jessica Kende Ingo. And uh, I live in Los Angeles. I primarily am a writing professor. I teach writing full-time at an art and design college. And I'm also uh, an aspiring food writer on the side, um, a food studies researcher, and um, a a mom to two young boys. Jessica Kahindengo is a Nigerian-American. I've always felt like plantain was a connection to my father and where he comes from. Um, My dad, it was born and raised in Nigeria, but my siblings and I all grew up in a small town in California called Bakersfield. So all of his siblings, all of my cousins, and everyone's still back in Nigeria. So the main way that we connected to his culture was through occasional stories he would tell and then every once in a while foods he would cook and plantain was one of the um one of the foods that he would cook that we knew was a Nigerian food and so it was one of the only things that kind of made me feel Nigerian when I was a kid growing up. As a food writer not surprisingly Jessica wrote about plantains and how they connected her to her father's culture. But when she showed that story around... A lot of people who read it, um, you know, friends and, you know, non-friends, people who reached out to me said, oh, they never tried plantain, they'd heard of it. And I was very surprised. I thought everyone ate plantain. I mean, I didn't grow up eating it every day, but I definitely knew what it was. And it didn't occur to me that there's a, a large part of the American population who's actually never eaten it. Never eaten it? And didn't know much about it. But then Jessica discovered that she didn't know much about plantains either. But I know a lot about banana. There's been a lot written about banana, but not a lot about plantain, um, which concerned me. I actually, I, um, I'm in a food studies association, and there's an, another, there's a guy who's in this association, and he edits a series of food history books. And he's always sending out these emails saying, we're looking for new topics. And I approached him and said, you need to do, you know, you need to publish a book on the plantain because they've published like, I don't know, 90 something other titles on every topic you can imagine. They have a book on banana. They have a book on, um, you know, foie gras. They have a book on dumplings, anything and everything that you can think of. But they don't have one on plantain. So I told him, where's the plantain book? And he said, oh, you know, you're not the first person who's asked me that, but the publishers don't think that it would sell. 
So from there, I just said, okay, this needs to be, this is not okay. (laughs) And that's how I came across Jessica's work, through her article saying that plantains don't get the same respect as bananas. Now, my own view, at least at the outset, is not that the book wouldn't sell, but that there's not really enough to fill a book, even quite a slim book. No evil corporations establishing banana republics, no ecological destruction, no complex transport and distribution network, not much in the way of Western popular culture either. On my own shelves, a few banana books mention the plantain, but only to say, for example, quote, that they have never been marketed on the grand scale of bananas and for that reason have not been included, end quote. But There's also a much deeper problem, at least the way I see it. Plantains are bananas. There's no real difference between them. There's a lot of controversy as to whether the plantain is a plantain a type of banana. Is it something different and it's a cousin to the banana? Uh, You know, that's up for debate, depending on who you talk to. A plantain is a banana. For at least one banana scientist, there's no debate. So I'm Julie Sardus, I'm a genetic process scientist, and I I work on studying, collecting, and conserving uh, bananas. Plantain is a specific type of banana, so it cannot be different from a banana. It's a bit difficult to describe. Maybe I don't have the proper vocabulary. It's just that when you see them, the shape, how the fruits are arranged together in their their longer shape, and it's slight curves at the end, you can see there's a movement in the bunch with the bananas that is quite typical to plantain. Mm-hmm. Going on a side, it's a bit poetic, I found. In supermarkets, you can recognize the fruits because it's, uh, it's thicker, it's longer, it has this very specific curve, and, and the ridges are sharper than that as a dessert bananas in the supermarket. The flesh of a plantain is very hard. It's uh, It has a, a higher dry matter content, a um, higher amount of starch, even when it's ripe, which makes it hard. The flesh is hard. It's not really easy to digest when it's eaten raw because of this high uh, content in, in starch. So it's, it's very well suited for cooking uh, because the flesh stays together when it's fried or boiled or, or roasted. It's this question of cooking bananas that really messes things up. If you're like me, you've maybe had baked bananas or banana flambe in some fancy restaurant as a dessert. For a lot of people, though, for example, in East Africa, cooking bananas are their main starchy staple. But although plantains are bananas that are best cooked, not all cooking bananas are plantains. In Uganda and, and more largely in the east of Africa, the cooking bananas are, are mostly part of the mutika type of banana, which is uh, another different type of edible banana that is cooked. Now, they look better like bananas, but still, I don't like to say it's like banana. Every type of banana is very unique in the way it holds its fruit. You have a wide diversity of many different types of cooking bananas that are not planting. So you've got these fruits, all of which are technically hybrids of two different species called musa. 
Some are cooked as a vegetable, some are eaten raw as a fruit. Some are called plantains, and others are called bananas. But whether you call them bananas or plantains seems to depend on where they came from. In recent times, bananas were carried around the world mainly by two countries, Spain and Portugal. The Spanish called them platano, and the Portuguese called them banana. But here's the thing. Plantains did not arrive in Nigeria with the Spanish. They arrived overland from East Africa, and they've been there for hundreds, maybe thousands, of years. In fact, botanists like Julie Sardos do recognize a group of West African bananas that they call true plantains. Plantains are very uh, specific uh, type of bananas that uh, reached Africa millennia ago. And they really were adopted by people. And then uh, progressively people selected uh, different uh, varieties of plantain. And now um, there's a wide morphological diversity of plantain, which make plantain very unique in the evolution of crops to my hand because uh, there's hundreds of plantains in, in West Africa. And if you analyze them genetically, we haven't found a way yet to discriminate them at the genome level. A single clone was introduced in Africa and then it was propagated and planted and, and selected for the different types emerging and under a wide diversity of plants now exists because of this millennia of selection by human. This is a very beautiful story about uh, Western Africans and their plantains. So yes, Nigeria and West Africa does have this huge diversity of bananas known as true plantains, but they certainly didn't arrive with the Spanish. So why are they called plantains? That remains a mystery. Julie did tell me that in most countries, people use just the one word derived from either platano or banana. How about in Nigeria? This is a, a good question um, that I'm trying to think back to. I need to follow up with my dad because I wasn't looking, I, I wasn't necessarily looking up the, the word for the food itself. I was mainly, I know that there's particular dishes they cook, like dodo, that was what they call fried plantain. Um, in the Yoruba language in particular, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what the word is that they would use. Jessica did, in fact, check with her dad, and he said, that in Yoruba, and I'm bound to mangle this, in Yoruba, banana is ogede, and plantain is agbagba. My perspective is that, you know, whether we're saying it's distinct from a, an edible, um, non-cooking banana versus cooking banana, I don't think that it really matters at the end of the day, because it has a very distinct cultural purpose and significance to so many people. I think that most people know what you're talking about when you refer to this particular food and it holds a particular place for them. That fruit that holds the role of the cooking banana or whatever you want to call it isn't addressed as widely as the type of banana that we're more used to in, in the West. So you can call it what you want, but at the end of the day, I still think there's not enough coverage of this particular staple food. Fair point. Maybe I am being too pedantic in insisting that a plantain is a banana. 
And perhaps if you do the practical thing of treating cooking bananas and true plantains as essentially the same sort of thing, perhaps there is enough there to fill a book. But in my opinion, there is actually another deep-seated reason why cooking bananas have been ignored in the West. And that's because they're eaten by people who've long been thought of as low status. In general, we don't pay much attention to low status foods, especially of so-called immigrants. Yes, and so I 100% agree with you. I do think that that's part of the issue. Now is the time to start raising awareness so that people know that it exists, so that they'll try it. But beyond trying it, I think that you know one of the things that happens a lot is that we'll taste something, but we don't go beyond that. We don't realize that everything has a story behind it, that there's actual people who uh, this particular food is their, their world, is their livelihood. There's this aspect of people just simply not knowing about it because those stories have been hidden. And my interest is in bringing those stories to the forefront so that people will learn the stories. And I think that can make them even more likely to, to have an interest in eating the food. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've ever seen a plantain in Rome. Um, yeah, probably at, at, at one of the markets. If I want to go and cook my first plantain, how should I be doing it? <laughs> most of the time when you buy plantains at the grocery store, well, most people will buy them when they're not completely ripe yet. And a plantain is best consumed when it's, you know, the skin is starting to get brown spots all over it. That's when you know it's going to be sweet. So when you pick it up at the grocery store, if it's still green, uh, it's not ready yet. So you've got to take it home, let it sit on the counter for a few days. Uh, and then you peel it and you slice at a diagonal, um, you know, maybe about a quarter of an inch thick slices of plantain, slice them up. And then when they're all ready, you, uh, you get a pot, put it on the stove, um, put some cooking oil in there and get it really, really nice and hot. And you start sliding them in um, and frying them. Fry them for a few minutes on one side, flip them over a few minutes on the other side, and they'll start to get this nice brown, um, you know, outer layer and start to get a little crispy on the outside, but then they're still juicy on the inside. Um, that's the way that I like them. Me too. Listener, I fried a plantain, and it was really rather delicious. But in the process of seeking them out at the market here in Rome, another thought occurred to me. Plantains, to my eye, just don't look as appealing as the bananas I'm used to. I know beauty's only skin deep, but the plantain skin just isn't that beautiful, especially when they're ripe. Still, I do think they're going to find a place in my repertoire. How about you? That's all for this episode. I'll put links in the show notes to Jessica Kingdingo's advocacy for the plantain and to some research from Julie Sardos and her colleagues about the whole messy history of bananas and plantains. You'll be able to find those links at eatthispodcast.com, where you can also dig into the archives, leave a comment, sign up for the newsletter, and even pledge support for the show. That's what enables me to offer transcripts. Till the next episode, from me, Jeremy Churfus, and Eat This Podcast, goodbye, and thanks for listening. <laughs>